Welcome to the Word of Life, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Word of Life. Here's Pastor Mark Abrams with a preview of today's teaching. You're not looking at the workplace the right way. And I think the son of a dude, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm a little, little Harvey, you know, that he could do anything at the work. And then they always hollering and picking on me and me, you know. No, don't think like that. Because look, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, if you take it patiently, most of us won't. But if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Because it looks like Jesus Christ. God wants to use you to be a living example of his love with the people around you. But that doesn't just happen in certain settings or in faraway places. It also includes where you work. Think about it. Work is where you spend most of your time during the week. And that's why the Bible has a good bit to say about how to operate at work. As you study today's passage with Pastor Mark, you'll gain insight into how God wants you to interact. Hint, it has a lot to do with patience, humility, and forbearance. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of The Word of Life. And he says, for this is commendable, verse 19, if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, endure it, suffering wrongfully. You know, you didn't do nothing wrong. You're suffering in the midst of it. And God said, no, you can endure these things. You're going to be good. You learn more about God and suffering than you do when you don't have to suffer. And he says, for what credit is it if, Peter's writing, this is the fisherman writing, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Notice what he says. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Isn't that interesting? And we don't like, those words don't even seem like they should be on the same line, good and suffer. You know, they don't even go together. You know, what do you mean, but when you do good and suffer? How you, you doing good and you want to suffer for doing good? No, because that reminds God the Father, you resemble Christ when you do good and suffer. Because the Bible says he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be, you know, the righteousness of God. You know, he didn't do anything to anybody and they crucified him, a sinless savior. So that means if you're going through something for doing good, it says you should rejoice and be exceedingly glad for they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said rejoice and say, it says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You know, you're going through all this stuff at work or whatever in the workplace and they, all people doing all this stuff, you should at the end of the day go, yeehaw! You know, like praise the Lord. I'm, I'm partaking in the sufferings of Christ. Not this stuff like, you don't know, a child, you need to pray for me. I don't know. Pray for me. The, the, the boss said something real. I didn't like what he said. I didn't feel it. I didn't like it. Pray, pray for me. And this is number warfare. It's all warfare. It's on me, you know. This is the way we think. I can't, how can they attack me like this, you know? <laughs> we go to church fasting and praying. I mean, to work, oh, Lord. Uh, and, and, and God is saying, that ain't no warfare. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's you. You're not looking at the workplace the right way. 
And I think the son of you, you don't know what I'm going through. And the little, little Harvey and them, they could do anything at the work. And then they always hollering and picking on me and me, you know. No, don't think like that. Because look, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, if you take it patiently, most of us won't. But if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Because it looks like Jesus Christ. Could you imagine some of the things they said to Christ that's not recorded in the Bible? Could you imagine? And he says, for to do this you were called. You said, called? I'm not called to do this. That's what the Bible says. For to this you were called because, and this is why, Christ also suffered for us. Peter includes himself because he says us. He knows what he's talking about. He's an eyewitness, leaving us an example. Hupogragmas, grandmas is the Greek word. He says this example, a pattern. This is the word that means, it's almost like a writing to be copied or a writing copy. This pattern, a pattern of a copy book. That's what the word means. And we have the book that we should pattern our lives by. And we have the life that was before us on these pages that the Holy Spirit stands out, you know, and puts before us was Jesus Christ. Peter walked with Jesus Christ. He saw him. And he knew that he was sinless. He, you know, imagine seeing somebody and Jesus never said any curse words. He never said anything that was out of the way. He was perfect in every, absolutely every single thing he did while he was here on earth. He was perfect. And Peter said that was perfection. And that can work in our lives as we surrender to Christ. As you surrender to Christ, as you say, leaving us as an example, Christ was an example. He suffered for the sin of the world. You know, a suffering savior, a suffering servant of, you know, of the father. He suffered. He says, leaving us an example that you, notice, you and I as Christians, should follow in his steps, not the world's steps. And Peter talks about suffering at least 16 times in his letter. He uses that word to some degree. Paul, the apostle Paul, remember when Paul and Silas went into Philippi? And this young girl was following them around with the spirit of divination. Oh, these are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims the way and so forth. And Paul got annoyed by her, turned around, rebuked her. And she fell stiff as a board and so forth. Messed up all the fortune telling business money that she was bringing her masters. They threw Paul and Silas unjustly because Paul was a Roman, sir, a, a Roman citizen from Tarsus, Cilicia. So they should have never beat him. They put him in, in the prison in, in, in Philippi, had him in stocks, eagle style. They beat him. Paul, years later, went right to that same city where there was a church. And Paul would write this to this church. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, not only to just believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. Christians don't like suffering. Nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes suffering in the workplace. James, who was the Lord's half-brother, James said that 
And he, he gets martyred. James gets martyred. Paul got beheaded. You know, this is what happens to them for following the Lord. You know, you get martyred and then get beheaded, you know. Imagine us complaining and God puts us before a panel. And on the panel is James and, and all the apostles, all of them was martyred, you know. Paul, you know, and Stephen, just Stephen, Paul, and John the Baptist would be enough for me because if he stood in front of all of them, Stephen was stoned to death. John the Baptist would have his hand in his, you know, his head in his arm. Paul would have his head in his arm and he said, no, go ahead and start complaining. <laughs> and they'd probably look at you, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, the workplace, they looked at me funny. Paul would probably laugh us to scorn. You call that persecution? <laughs> you know, <laughs> could you imagine the things we call persecution? But James was the Lord's brother. James said, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Macrothamia, the, the word he uses is meaning long-temperedness, he's impatient. You know, the prophets, they suffered. Could you imagine Isaiah was sawn in half? Did you know that? Could you ma imagine being sawn in two? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah? Jeremiah was thrown in his cisterns at least three times. You know, Epic Malik pulled him out, but Zedekiah got him thrown into a cistern. When he was thrown into that cistern, he was 60 years old. 60 years old, following the Lord from a teenager. And he gets thrown into this dungeon, and Josephus says in the Antiquities of Flavors, Josephus, that the mud was up to his nose. These are the guys who follow the Lord. Zechariah was killed and thrown off the temple steps. Zechariah wrote the book of Zechariah, 14 chapters. That Zechariah, all the great prophecies about Christ, he was beaten. Ezekiel was beaten and martyred. Amos was martyred by, and killed by the son of Amaziah, the priest of Bethel. He was put to death. Micah was martyred. We know about the New Testament martyrs, but those prophets was martyred too. People forget about that. They leave all, all the apostles were martyred. Some flayed. John Mark and Pell, do you know what that means? They tied him to a chariot or with a rope and rode him all through Alexandria, Egypt until all of his bones fell off of him. And you talking about, oh, the balls got on my nerves at work. We have a really small view of who we are. It's a big view. Luke was hung on an olive tree. Luke was hung on an olive tree. Think about the suffering they went through. Timothy was beaten at a parade in Ephesus because he spoke out against their blasphemous conduct and they beat him to death with clubs and left him in the street for dead. This is the, the men that follow the Lord. You know, it's almost like a polar opposite of how we think in the church today. You know, people say, oh, well, the church is for me. What well, I'm going to get out of it. They thought that their lives belonged to the Lord. They didn't think the Lord owed them anything. Paul, he died on the road of Damascus. That's when he died, and his life was no longer his. He says, I, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth through me in the life in which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He understood that. To live as Christ, it dies gain. And Peter's writing to these people, they, you know, they probably saying, well, you don't know what I'm going through. And Peter said, no, 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 no. We got examples. 
You, you, you the, the master, you know, he, he, you're sleeping every night there. You go to the workplace, everything is crazy. It, it's, it's your, again, is your money your direct deposit? You should say, shh, I can still pay my bills. Let me just be quiet. Amen. Amen. Instead of running to HR every other weekend and say, we, you got to do something. You got to transfer me out of this department. You got to know maybe God wants you to run the whole entire department if you just stay put. You know, yes, if all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, the Bible says. They will, but I'm consider this, and I always remember this. Whatever you're going through, remember this, never forget this. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Not to us, in us. You know, all of this is going to be over one day. So don't wear it too tightly. Don't blame the job every time you get up in the morning. Oh, that's our job again. You should say, Lord, I can't believe you giving me this job. Praise the Lord. All these sinners work here, Lord. Praise the Lord, man. This is a mission field. I went to work every day like it was a mission. Was, Praise the Lord. All these, there's nothing but Muslims there. Praise the Lord. There's even more sinners. I was so happy to get to work. Amen. Just glad. And we just want to live in a bubble, that's why. So Jesus Christ's suffering in his life is a valuable witness for the existence of a heavenly pattern. It's a heavenly pattern and for the behavior and the lifestyle of how Christians should live. It's a pattern, and it's a heavenly pattern. It's not something that we would see on earth. No, nobody would ever be at a place with under poor working conditions and you had a master that was cruel and all that. Only Christians can do that. In the Roman Empire, they wanted Christian slaves because they were the better workers. If you a Christian, you should be the best employee on your job. And shame on you if anybody work harder than you. You should be the best employee on your job. And not late every day. Hit my cart, girl, I'm on my way. <laughs> we should be the hardest workers on any job. And he says Christ was an example because look, he says in verse 22, who committed no sin, meaning Christ, and Peter witnessed his sinless life, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Remember Isaiah when it says that nor deceit was found in his mouth, Isaiah 53, 9, who when he was reviled, it means to people, mean-spirited, insulting words and so forth, to demoralize somebody and so forth, or humiliate a person. When he was reviled, notice, did not revile in return. See, I'm not getting them back for what they did to me. With my words, I'm not even getting them back. When he suffered, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus, look, remember on the cross, the first saying of the seven sayings, not seven words, the seven sayings, the first saying was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, you know, if somebody was running those spikes through our wrists like this, and we had the power to get him, I said, oh, they know what they're doing. You wait till I get down from here. Oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. I'm going to blow their whole block up. You know, we would be thinking some other stuff. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. 
You hit the workplace, you should say that every day. When you look at some foolish person with some foolish conduct and some foolish ways of thinking, they don't know Christ, they're dead in their trespasses, and everything they're talking about is dead. And you should say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And have a clear conscience about that. And Peter says, this is our example. And then he says in verse 24, who himself bore our sins, the sin of the world, in his body, on the tree, this is the cross Peter's speaking of, that we, having died to sin, and you know, sins, you know, sin no longer has dominion over us positionally, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. This is not talking about physical healing. This is not what Peter's talking about in the context at all. You know, one of the things that need to be dealt with is our sin sickness. You know, this is divine healing in regards to a sense of restoration of, you know, divine fellowship through the bloodshed blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sin here. This gave us wholeness in Christ. You were made whole in Christ. That's what made us whole. Because if you got an illness... And you get saved, that don't mean the illness is going to go away. You can still, if you, if you got saved with cancer, you still might end up dying from cancer. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about, he says, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter's looking back what Christ had already done on the cross. When Isaiah writes this, same thing. Isaiah says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. Something that's going to happen. Peter says you were healed. Something that already happened. Something that already happened. You want healing is in Christ. You know, I think it's Psalm 107, verse 20. It says he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. Imagine the encouragement these readers had, you know, under these cruel masters and so forth. And Christ came into the world. He came to his own and they received them not, it says. They hated him without a cause. And yet when they said all kinds of things about him, he didn't say one thing. Matter of fact, you know, it's interesting that they asked him, you know, I think it was Annas, the high priest. said, Well, you know, we're, you know, what about your disciples? And then he said, well, what about your doctrine? And Christ never even answered them about the disciple question part. And could you imagine, think about this, that your life and our lives are lives that are set aside for God. And then we become part of this whole world's, you know, a wall passing through. But we become part of this whole thing that the world loves so much. And as you pass through, think about this and be sincere with your own heart and say, look, Lord, I struggle with wanting to be accepted by the world. I struggle with wanting to be, you know, in the bookmarkers. I want to be in, you know, instead of outside of it. I, you know, I struggle, Lord. I want my boss to like me, whether they save or unsave. And you don't work for that boss. You have another boss that's greater. Show me what that looks like, Lord. Show me how that works. I don't know how that works. Show me when I wake up in the morning that I'm serving you, Lord. And this person don't have no more authority than what you allowed them to have. Show me that, Lord. And you'll go to work You'd be whistling, you'd be happy as a lark. Everybody going crazy, saying, oh, no, that's not the real boss. That's the one I see. That's the one that God allowed to be in place. I will honor him, but my boss is up there. He's in glory. And his name is King Jesus. 
Amen? And that's how we got to think. We cannot go into this workplace. And then he says, for we were like sheep going astray. A sheep going astray is bad business because they don't know how to refine, they don't have the ability to find their way back. They don't know how to come back. You know, I love that verse in Lamentations 5.21 when he says, Lord, turn us back. You know, Jeremiah says, turn us back. We don't know how to come back to the Lord. God has to turn us back. Sometimes you'll put stumbling blocks so we can't go no further and we'll come back. He says, for we were like sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer. One word is another word for overseer is bishop of your souls. We get the word uh, episcopus from that. Episcopio is the word we get from it. Overseer. The episcopus was the person, you know how they run a race, the Olympics, or they had the Isthmus games in the first century. When they ran that race, the episcopio would be, be, episcopio would be the one sitting right there at the finish line, looking down to see who went across the line first. And Christ is the one who oversees our souls. And we're all on the same team. Amen. You go to work tomorrow, do me a favor. Look around there and say, Lord, thank you for this job. Thank you for this job, Lord. You use this job, Lord, to help me provide for the things I need to function in this world only. And some of it I can use and use it for the kingdom of God. But Lord, most of all, Lord, show me how I can be a blessing to my boss. Show me how I can be a blessing. Show me, Lord. Show me how to submit to the authority that you put in place. Show me how to understand it. Because we only want to submit to who we like, not to who is in charge. If I like them, I'll submit. Some people say, I can't submit to them. I'm, no, I'm, no. Look, I don't care. I can't do it. Because I don't like them. They not, that's not what Peter's talking about here. These slaves, they couldn't get up and quit. <laughs> they couldn't quit. <laughs> Could you imagine having a job you can't quit? <laughs> yeah. Get out there and pick that. Uh, well, I don't feel good. Out. You like, what? Go. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I didn't ask you what you wanted to do. This is your job. Do you imagine? Wow. You imagine, look, I've worked hard all my life. You know, I worked as young as nine, eight, seven, whatever, working. Aaron, I was an Aaron, I was a neighborhood Aaron boy. And I learned that when Especially in ministry, I think it's good when guys in ministry had a chance to work a regular job. When somebody said, no, what you're doing is not good. No, you need to do that better. No, I think that scrutiny and that criticism sometimes helps you understand life in a more sober way. I think sometimes you need to know, like, no, I'm not that good. <laughs> you know, no, that's, no, that's not really that great. And because that keeps you understanding that authority that God allows to be in place, it keeps you. It's good that we have authority. I like having some boss or something. I, I, I still go to my pastor's staff meetings every Monday. I'm still, I'm the only church that came out of there. It's about, it's about 37 churches came out of that, that church. I'm the only one that still goes to the staff meeting every Monday. Because I realized that I like this. If something ever go crazy, I'm like, well, you know what, Joe? You can help me out with this one, you see? I like authority because it makes sense. It makes sense. And it keeps you where you need to be at. First Peter 3:15 says 
but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. As you've been listening to today's teaching in 1 Peter, do you find yourself ready and willing to give a defense about Jesus and what you believe? Or is it easier to fade into the background and not take a stand for anything? The truth is, Peter himself was proving his faith and loyalty to God throughout his life, showing people that he believed in God, even if it meant losing his life. Of course, he had a moment of weakness when Jesus was arrested, but he came back and stood his ground stronger than ever after Jesus' ascension. Don't lose sight of this. Even if you falter, the Lord can supply you the grace to continue. Stand strong and be confident in your heart that God's on your side, despite the opposition. The Word of Life ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Word of Life. Pastor Mark Abrams has more to share with you in our next edition as he continues through the book of 1 Peter. If you're interested in learning more about this ministry or the church, feel free to go to ccwordoflife.org and find information on service times, location, and our staff. If you have any questions you'd like to ask, you can email us at info at ccwordoflife.org. That email again is info at ccwordoflife.org. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 1 Peter. We look forward to you joining us next time right here on The Word of Life. Oh